Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Okay, so last week's message was Pastor Dale and Kelly's Grass Isn't Greener, and it was all about adultery and divorce and how it can um, hurt people and hurt yourself and how God can restore you through that. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It was really, really good. And this week's message... Wait, hold up. So I just want to... This wasn't a message by your dad, hey, the grass is not greener? No, not by my dad. Your dad's might be, the grass is greener. (laughs) The grass is greener. It's always greener on the other side of my Just had to throw that in there for lawn care (laughs) business. Thanks, Drew. Uh, um, But this week, um, this week you might want to move your seats a little bit back um, because it's called grace or slap. Um, so I don't know what Pastor RJ has planned, but if you feel like you want to scoot your seat a little back, you know, it's just feel safe, okay? I don't know what's going to happen, but can we welcome up Pastor RJ this time? Thank you, Miriam and Lauren's husband. <laughs> I'm Pastor Mary's husband. Some people know me as RJ. <laughs> This is what I look like when I'm not at church, (laughs) the vast majority of the time. Uh, We had uh, three girls in soccer tournaments this weekend at four different locations, and I spent a lot of time in the sun, and I look like a bald raccoon. Um, Also, we're about 49 days away from the start of football season or so. And uh, some of us like that a little bit more than others. And I know some of you don't like my Dallas hat, but that's okay. Uh, So I'm going to talk to you with my hat on today, just so you don't have to deal with the, uh, like, brightness. (laughs) Bald head with a sunny face, it looks kind of funny. I'll spare you the agony. I do want to have a little bit of fun, though, with today's content. I mean, how many of you desperately need the grace of God in your life? We all need the grace of God in our life. But, I mean, I do. Every moment of every day without his grace, I'm in trouble. Um, And even knowing that his grace is sufficient to me to meet my every need um, and and present in every circumstance at all times, uh, you know, there's times when I just want to slap people. Have you ever just wanted to slap someone? Now, we don't actually slap them even though some people actually need a slap. Did everyone hear me say that? Okay. Now, now that said, there's many things I want to do, but I choose not to. Right? There's many things that I want to do, but I choose not to do. Now, you, okay, um, as you get older, you learn stuff. Sometimes you learn stuff. How many, when you're older, you learn some stuff that you wish you knew when you were younger? Yeah, some of you. And, and, and what happens is, you know, um, you learn limits that your body has as you get older. Like, for instance, Friday, my wife and I went for a little bike ride. And I say little, yeah, I said Friday. Um, Friday was a fun day with my wife. So we went, 
I'm, I'm talking love. <laughs> my wife and I went for a, a, we went like down the greenway from our house. It's about 5k to get on the little path that goes behind the cemetery and stuff. And then you go out on the, the greenway towards Harrow. And I love going out there. Yeah. We didn't make it quite to Harrow, guys. <laughs> We're not that good yet. See, I can go about 18, 20 kilometers one way and 18, 20 kilometers back. We're, we're between 35 and 40 is our limit. If I tried to go 60 or 70, that wouldn't be smart. Because then I'd be sitting again while I'm trying to talk to you because I push myself a little bit too hard. So as I get older, I learn my limits. The first time we went, I think we went eight kilometers and I was like sucking air and tired. <laughs> but we've been working our way up little by little. Or then we went out to eat for sushi. Now, some of you don't like sushi, but I like sushi. And it was an all-you-can-eat sushi place. But you know what? We could have ordered more delicious food, but we chose to stop when we were content. Okay? Don't be fooled. I ate my fair share. But there's a point where <laughs> it goes to excess. It goes beyond what's good for you and healthy for you, you know. And, and, and what happens is we learn limits. Now, today's message, Grace, and, and I, do, I do want to have a little bit of fun with the content today, but foundationally, I, wanna, I, I would like you to understand in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So all of the word of God, all of God's revelation to mankind that we find in the Bible, it's useful. It teaches us truth. It helps us realize what's wrong. It exposes the things inside of us that aren't correct, okay? And, and even right now, I get, I get a sense that some of you are really struggling with the hat, the truth is, the hat's okay. It doesn't change the message, okay? And, and we have to understand that sometimes we have ideas about what things are supposed to look like, what people are supposed to look like. Okay? And when people don't fit the mold or the standard that we have, we tend to write them off. That's not good to do. Now, missionally, we make disciples here. You should know this, right? We equip the body for everyday discipleship, and we want to make disciples who do what? Some of you are getting it. But discipleship has to do with taking immature people and bringing them to maturity. And every single one of us has immature areas inside of our life somewhere. Unless you're about 106. Anyone 106? then you probably have an area of your life that God's still working on and you're working on gaining more maturity in that area, okay? And, and what happens is you bring people from immaturity to maturity through correction and grace. Did everyone hear me say that? It's correction and grace. They work together. Correction always takes place in the context of love, or it should, which is a key element of Christianity. Now, Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. How many love it when God corrects them? 
the Lord corrects the people he loves. How many want God to love you? Then how many want him to correct you? (laughs) Just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights. God's correction is not punishment for you. And some of you get it wrong because you think he's punishing you. But the truth is, it's a sign of his great love for you. It's part of your journey of growth. It's part of your journey of sanctification. It's part of your journey of maturity when God corrects you and speaks into your life and starts steering you in the way that is right. Now, it's a weird culture we live in today. (laughs) Because here in Canada, we see more individuals rejecting wisdom and correction because they want to live out their fleshly desires above anything. It's no wonder that our culture is a culture in decline sociologically. We likely will not be conquered like some countries are, but like Rome, we are falling apart through the internal moral rot and the decline of the family unit in our culture as we speak. In Proverbs 12, one, to learn you must love discipline. It's stupid to hate correction. Bible says that I didn't. <laughs> you hate correction, the Bible says it's stupid to hate it. We need to love discipline. It's good for us. It helps us. We were at a soccer tournament all weekend. I was thinking about this. When I was young and playing soccer, um, our team won particular game. Um, some of my teammates didn't run as hard as they could. You know when people don't run as hard as they could on the field? And the coach noticed that. So uh, we did win the game, and we thought, yay, good. We went to practice. When you're a soccer player and you show up at practice and the coach doesn't have a single soccer ball on the field, you know you are in trouble. We ran sprints, and we ran laps, and we did up-downs and sit-ups and push-ups for about an hour and a half, almost two hours. We ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. And the next game when we were out there, if we saw a teammate dog in it, guess what everybody was doing with that teammate? Run! <laughs> Run faster! Because <laughs> I don't want another practice like that. <laughs> but you know, the discipline was good for us, right? It was good for us. Because it not only did it help condition us, it helped us understand what was necessary to win consistently. Not just win in the moment. And a lot of times people do that in life where they, they, they coast for the moment and they do just enough to get by and to win for the moment, but they don't put the work in so that they can win all the time. 2 Timothy 4. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Brothers and sisters, family, we live in that day and hour today. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers to tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. But stop for one second here. I'll continue reading in a minute. People get offended today at the truth. People get offended at everything, okay? But you say, oh man, those people. 
But I want you to stop and ask yourself a question. Have you ever asked a mentor, a friend, someone who speaks into your life for counsel and they didn't give you the answer that you wanted to hear so you went and asked someone else? And if they don't give you the, you go and ask someone else and you ask around until someone actually agrees with your perspective and gives you the answer that you want to hear. And then you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked a couple friends and this is what they told me. Well, everyone told you something different, but this one told you what you wanted to hear. So that's what you go with. But no one in the room's ever done that. Suddenly the person who tells you what you want to hear, they become the expert on the matter. It cracks me up. <laughs> in verse five, in that passage, I was reading 2 Timothy 4. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation and don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. I've said many hard things to many people from many walks of life. But the word of God is always gonna be our standard of truth. Most of the time, when people come looking for a new thing, they find it eventually somewhere between heresy and the loony bin. They end up in left field. You know, women were originally designed to have babies out of their side. No, they weren't. Biology says differently. <laughs> if we could just learn the established truth, I think really good, <laughs> we'd be good but a lot of us don't even know what established truth is. And we can't even start living our lives according to the established truth, which will change the way that you live and interact with the world around you just by learning what the word says already. James chapter one, verses two to four. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many love trouble? It's an opportunity to be joyful. Trouble equals joy. Sounds like a paradox. For you know when your faith is untested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete and you don't need anything. You become mature in that area and you can navigate through life. Even in our struggles and hardships, you must understand there's always purpose. They develop endurance in us, which brings us to spiritual maturity. The idea of discipleship is you take people who are immature in the faith and the things of God and you train them and they get disciplined and coached and guided and spoken their lives into. And suddenly over a period of time, I didn't say that right. Over a period of time, not suddenly, they become mature. They grow up. And then they start Discipling others who are young and bringing them along too as they're continuing to grow and mature. Now, 2 Timothy 1.9, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Can everyone say not because I deserved it? Because it was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. God knew that Adam and Eve were gonna mess up in the garden. He knew that the law of sin and death was gonna be released in the earth. He knew that people were gonna break his law. He had a plan before he even put humans on planet earth that Jesus was gonna to have to come and save us. And that's God's grace. Now salvation though, and what I want you to see here is 
Salvation and right living kind of go hand in hand. If you're truly saved, you make every effort to live righteously. The new nature in you has that ability to live right. Now, when you fail, there is grace through Christ. This is the grace element, okay? In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I'll read an amplified. It, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ that you've been saved actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort. Nothing you can do can earn your salvation. You can never live good enough. You can never live right enough. You can never do all the right things, dress the right way, earn enough money, have the right job. You can't. It was a free gift God gave us. And the only way to get it is by faith through his grace but it's undeserved gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. You can't get saved by your own ability. You can't get saved by your ability to live right or do good deeds. It doesn't help you get saved. It's only evidence that you are. Did everyone hear me say that? Your good deeds and your living right is evidence that you're a Christ follower. It's evidence that God has changed your heart. It's the natural byproduct of the fact that you're submitting your mind, will, and your temple, your body to Christ. See, everybody wants to go to heaven. (laughs) Does anyone not want to go to heaven? You're here in church on a Sunday morning in July. I think you want to go to heaven. (laughs) Okay. Or maybe someone dragged you here and you're not sure yet. But trust me, heaven's better than hell. Everyone wants to go to heaven. If you want to get to heaven, there comes a place where you have to die to your selfish will, your selfish ambition, your dreams, your desires, the things that you want. You have to lay that down. And you exchange it through the power of God for the life that he wants for you. And then you start living holy, righteous, and obedient to what God has called you to do. Now, Romans 5.20 tells us this. But the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, keyword there, death, so also grace would reign through righteousness, which brings eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This verse is so full of hope, but so many people miss the hope in it. The purpose of the law, and I'm just going to say, let's just go the Ten Commandments, which summed up the rest of them, was to expose the sin and the evil within you by clarifying the terms of the covenant that God had made with mankind. In simple terms, every one of you has broken the Ten Commandments, probably all of them. And someone's thinking, but I've never killed anyone. I've never murdered anyone. But the Bible tells us that the intent of the law was simply, if you hate someone, you've committed the sin of murder. Come and stand before me in clean conscience with a pure heart and tell me you've never said I hate you or never thought it. Strong words. 
The law established death. That was the consequence of breaking God's law. Separation from God, consequence, right? When you break his commands, there's death and separation. God in his kindness and his love gave us grace undeserved. He provided a way of life. The path of life through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Now, when I was looking at this, I found this and I thought it was a pretty interesting connection to what we're talking about here with where God disciplines the ones he loved, but we need his grace. And in 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It's talking about Paul and he's got this thorn in the flesh. And then he's asking God three times, God, take away this thorn. Take away this messenger of Satan that's buffeting. Take, take it away, God. Here's God's answer. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. When does God's power show up the most? In your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am pleased with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. How many of you are Christ's followers? In our weaknesses, are we pleased with insults and distresses and persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ? Because that's when I am weak in human strength. Then I'm strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. That's how we have to live. Yes, the great apostle Paul, who wrote a considerable portion of the epistles in the New Testament, same guy who rebuked Peter at the Jerusalem council, same guy who raised dead people up. Same guy who prophesied that no one on the ship was gonna die. Same guy who shook the poisonous snake off, the Apostle Paul. Church planner extraordinaire, single-handedly took the gospel to the, God, to the Gentiles. Remember that guy? He had a thorn in his flesh. He had a people problem. He had a problem with somebody or somebody had a problem with him. Why do you think you're gonna be exempt? He asked God three times to make it go away. And God said, my power is being perfected and is complete and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. I'm gonna use a term that I hear a lot from Kim's husband. Paul pivots and he decides, I am well pleased with weakness and insults and distresses and persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak in human strength, then I'm strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing on God's strength. Here, the great apostle Paul gains revelation and application into one of the great paradoxes in Christianity. The weakness of the flesh is the time when God shows up the most strong in and through him. So you might say, God, my neighbor's a challenge. Please motivate him to move. And God says, my power is most fully revealed in your weakness. You might say, but God, my spouse doesn't want to do what I want them to do. Please fix this. And God says, my power is made perfect and most fully revealed in your weakness. You might say, but God, my children don't listen to me. Please make them listen. God says, my power is most fully revealed to you in your weakness. But God, my boss is mean to me. Please remove him. I can do his job better anyways. 
God says, my power is made perfect and shown in your weakness. God, that guy speaks lies and gossip about me. Silence him. God says, what's God say? (laughs) My power, my strength is revealed in your weakness. God, this addiction's too big for me to conquer. Take away the struggle. And what does God say? My power is made complete. It's most fully revealed in your weakness. God, I have too many impure thoughts. Help me to think pure. What does God say? No. (laughs) Slap. (laughs) Stop feeding your flesh. And his power will be fully revealed in your weakness. John 1, 16. <laughs> yes, the word was full of grace and truth. And from him, we all received one blessing after another. That is, the law was given to us through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Just like grace and right living are hand in hand, grace and truth are partners in Christ. You can't really have grace without truth, just like you can't really have grace without right living. Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed, he gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to good doing good deeds. Man, I am rapidly running out of time. I was having some fun with this and I came up with an acronym for SLAP, Strongly Loving Annoying People. (laughs) Some of you like that, right? I told you Christianity is rooted in love, so we have to really strong, some people you have to strongly love more than others, don't you? especially when they annoy you. (laughs) Does anyone have someone that annoys you sometimes? They need to be strongly loved. You have to slap them. (laughs) At this point, what I'd like you all to do is stand up with me. I'm not going to quite go to communion yet, but (laughs) I want you to understand something. The correction of the creator and the grace of God go hand in hand. Okay, can everyone everyone understand this? It's not really grace or slap, it's grace and slap. We all need grace, we all need God to correct us, we need God to speak into our life. So what I'd like to do right now, uh, if Pastor Larry and Jean can come up, I see you guys made it, I hope your interview went good this morning. I'll have you come right here. You, you, get, you get one too, it's okay. Now, here's what happens. 
Lady Jean, I know you had a birthday the other day. How young are you? That's a cause for what? Uh, slap. slap, go ahead. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> hallelujah. Okay, RJ. I can do this. Yeah, you have to say hallelujah when you slap them. <laughs> hallelujah. There we go. Okay, you got it. That's right. That was a practice one. <laughs> they didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And I don't think they knew about the foam hands. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> okay. Here's what I'd like to do. If there's a situation in your life where you need the grace of God. Okay. Right now, actively, as a point of contact, I'd like you to come down and receive a slap. <laughs> and just cycle through. It's okay. Come on. Come on, all of you. Come on down. And as a point of contact, they're going to impart grace to you right now. But you have to come out of your chair and receive what God has for you right now. And I know it seems a little bit out of the box and it's a little bit weird, but there's something powerful that happens when you take a step of faith and in that connection, the grace of God is activated inside of your life. So as people are still coming down, keep coming down, don't be shy. So I'd like everyone to go home and post on their wall that I came to church this morning and I got slapped. <laughs> got a Holy Ghost slap at church. But you know what? God corrects the people he loves and he's going to speak into your life, but he gives you the grace in the moment to walk it out. Keep coming, keep, keep coming down right now. Get your slap. <laughs> okay. And while people are coming down, keep coming down. Don't be shy. If you need the grace of God in your life, this is a great opportunity to receive an impartation. It just takes a moment. Come on, we can, we can do two lines here. Direct them over, direct them over. So we can form two lines. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, so for those of you that are in your chairs or have gotten your slap, keep coming down, get your slap if you need it. I want to start. <laughs> okay.
Just a few more here. Okay. So. Is there anyone else you need a slap this morning? You need some grace. Thank you guys. That was fun. Now I have to, yeah, sure, I don't care. <laughs> I can see you two in the living room. <laughs> and now I have to transition into the Lord's Supper communion. <laughs> Jesus help us. Father, I thank you that as we have the bread on our hands today, your grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. In every moment of every day, God, we need you so desperately. We need a touch from you every day. We need to hear your voice. We need your power in our lives so that we can actively do our part to live righteously. Father, when you correct us, help us to receive it with grace, wisdom. Help us to walk through the process that you've set out for us, no matter what it looks like. Because Lord, we want to please you. We want to obey you. And we need you to show yourself strong in our life, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, wherever we go, in every place that we are. And Lord, as Jade started touching on this morning, I thank you that you are the healer. Lord, we need grace in our lives for healing in our bodies, for the parts that aren't working like they should, for the blood that's not looking like it should, for the diseases that try to sneak on us. Lord, we give them back to Satan today. We lay them down at your feet and you took them on the cross and we declare healing and life supernaturally in the name of Jesus. So Father, in your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole because Jesus endured the cross. So by faith, Lord, we receive the grace you've given us today in Jesus' name. Jesus, we're forever grateful for the blood that you poured out on the cross for our sin. And Lord, we thank you for the covenant that you cut with us so that we can be righteous in you, with you. Help us, Lord, that we would not use your word to beat people up, but that we would lovingly use your word to govern our own lives first, and to help those who are struggling second, and to share the message of hope with the lost and the dying third. Help us as a church family, Lord, to be a place of refuge and a place of love for those around us in the world that is so confused. Let your light shine forth 
Let your power be released most fully with your people who are fully surrendered to you. And in that process, Lord, will you love us and you correct us and you guide us and you give us grace when we mess up. Help us to be more like Jesus and to represent you well in our communities. In Jesus' name. RJ, like you said, even in a baseball hat, that was most excellent message, one I'm sure we all needed to hear. I am Mr. Hers. This is my lovely wife, Michelle. Like Mr. Griffiths and, and all the other misters out there, I am severely over chicken. <laughs> well done. Uh, wouldn't you like it? be nice to be rich though i am rich you you are rich very rich <laughs> please enlighten me i am wealthy by the riches of god's grace he has shown me endless kindness tolerance and patience by the riches of god's grace he has showered me with mercy and supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory by the riches of God's grace, I have redemption through the blood on the cross and forgiveness of all and every one of my sins. By the riches of God's grace, I have an inheritance that he has kept for me in heaven, undefiled and pure. By the riches of God's grace, I have all of this despite what I deserve and of no merit or doing of my own. And lastly, by the riches of God's grace, I am his ambassador. Therefore, as an ambassador of Christ, I have to show to each and every person the same grace that he has lavishly showed to me. That is my wealth. You are rich. I am super rich. <laughs> we are all rich. Mr. Hers, Mr. Shumatero, Mr. Griffiths all the misters. Church, you've been equipped. Now go. Be the church.